0: The blast from our past network.
1: Hello and welcome to The Blast From Our Past Podcast. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John, And I'm Adam. And today we have another album review for you. Today we're going to be reviewing the 1993 studio album Get a Grip by the band Aerosmith. This was their 11th studio album. So you might, uh, if you're not familiar with us, you might be thinking, why why their 11th studio <laughs> album? Well, the band Aerosmith's been around for a long time. They yep. uh, started out in, in, in the 70s, I believe the early 70s, if I am yep. not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, Dream
2: On was a single that came out in 1973. Yeah. Yeah, and that might have been off their first album, I think. So the band formed in
1: 1970, so. Okay. I mean, at this point, it's 2020. That's 50 years. Yeah, crazy. 50 years of of Aerosmith. Um but this album in particular was kind of like the beginning of the resurgence of Aerosmith who had completely fallen off the radar throughout the late 70s and almost entirely in the 80s almost. Yeah,
2: I mean but there were still some songs that I liked in the yeah. um, in the late 80s well, like like Rag Doll or something like that. Yeah, well there were
1: songs that that I thought that were good but they didn't they didn't uh, it was I, didn't, I don't think it was until Get a Grip where yeah. people started to go back and really kind of Revisit some of the the songs that they had done earlier that were really really good.
2: Yeah, fair enough. This was Aerosmith's best selling studio album um, worldwide, achieving sales of uh, over twenty million copies. So oh, this nice. Yeah, so this is their best one, um, or at least biggest selling. Yeah. Uh, the album also became uh, the first album for the band to reach number one in the U.S. on the on the Billboard, you know, Hot 200 or whatever. Right. So, so yeah, so this is a big one. And it's also yeah. a big album. It's pretty long, over an hour.
1: Yeah, um, I believe like 14, 14 songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty good. And um, some of them are in a fairly good length. So Yeah. Actually, a lot of, most of them are over four minutes long. So. Yeah. So, yeah, they're There's full. A, a, they were putting out a lot of, uh, lot of content. Album released in April of 1993. Uh, it was released by Geffen Records. Uh, it was recorded uh, at A and M Studios in Los Angeles, and a little bit in the little uh, little Mountain Sound in Vancouver. And was produced by Bruce Fairborn, Fair Fairbairn. Actually, I'm not really sure how he says. it. it's <laughs> okay. it's, it's F A I R B A I R N, Fairbairn.
2: You're not getting um, any help from me. I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. <laughs>
1: All right. Um, who's also done some stuff with AC/DC, Van Halen, Bon Jovi, that sort of thing.
2: When you first put on that we we're doing uh, Get a Grip, I kind of didn't remember this at first. I was like, what? I only really remember us listening to Big Ones, which was their best of. The best their, of. Yeah, yeah, their best of. But it wasn't until I saw the album art that I was like, oh, yeah, it's the fucking cowutter, uh album. <laughs> so this one has like this, you know, you're kind of up close on a Cowwatter and it's got a pierced uh, one of its nips or whatever i don't yeah. know what you would call them for another i guess utters yeah utter, yeah um but i definitely remember the visual of the art so that's kind of cool uh apparently yeah. and i would say unsurprisingly um there was an animal rights group and i don't know if it was peter or somebody else but they got upset that um smith might have pierced a cow's udder but the the band confirmed that the uh, image was computer generated so it's not a they didn't actually pierce uh, a cow a cow's udder
1: Maybe they did, and they're just
2: lying. Yeah, they could be. They just they just lied.
1: Well, I mean, because also, if you look on there, it looks like the cow's been branded uh, with the yeah. Aerosmith logo. Not, that's so, not true, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, people people need to calm down. <laughs> calm the fuck down. People.
2: Maybe it was a real rocking you know, cow, and it loved Aerosmith, and it was like, yeah, yeah. totally. Pierce my nips, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. So if you're not
1: familiar with the band Aerosmith, uh, the band consists of Steven Tyler on lead vocals, Joe Perry on lead guitar, Brad Whitford on rhythm guitar, Tom Hamilton on bass guitar, and Joey Kramer on drums, who I actually believe recently just sued the band uh, because he is not with the band currently. He had to take a leave for something, and I cannot remember what it was, Um, but the band was continuing with their um, show. They have a residency started now in Vegas, which I'm Gonna mm. try and go see while they're here, because I'd like to be able to see them live. Yeah. Um, and I think he's not with them and I cannot remember exactly what it was for why he's not with them. Um I don't think it was something like he was fired or he quit. Like there was like a medical reason uh-huh. he had to stop drumming. But I who knows. But he's upset
2: that they are playing without him or some shit? It's something like that. Something oh god. Like that. So. Get a grip, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And then they had a slew of other uh, people
1: playing uh, some notable ones that I'm just going to kind of mention here at the top instead of, because chances are when I get into the throes of it, I'll forget to mention them when they get there. One of the most notable ones that you may have never heard of is a guy named Desmond Child, who plays keyboards on the song Crazy. And Desmond Child is a very prolific songwriter. Um, He's written tons of songs that you have heard of for a lot of big rock bands. He wrote Aerosmith's Dude Looks Like a Lady, or at least Mm. co-wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wrote co-wrote Crazy, okay. So makes sense to remember that. But he was also uh, some of Bon Jovi's biggest hits. You give love a bad name, Living on a Prayer, Bad Medicine. Ooh. So some of his biggest ones, yeah. um, and then some odd ones that I was like, Ricky Martin's Cup of Life and Living a Vida Loca. <laughs> he was a co-writer on that. So uh, wow. the guy has been writing songs for yeah. people since uh, like the first one that he's listed as as being a co-writer producer on. Was a, a song called "I Was Made for Loving You" by Kiss way back in 1979. Okay, so uh, he's been going strong yeah. in the world of. Uh, he knows how to make a hit, obviously. He knows yeah, how to, yeah, yeah. So uh, if you look him up, he's he's been doing he's been around for a while. And then they had a couple of notable guys show up for background vocals. Um, uh, a young man by the name of Lenny Kravitz shows up as uh, background on the song "Lineup." So, and this kind of surprised me. Don Henley mm-hmm. was the background vocalist on the song "Amazing."
2: Yeah, I saw that. I, I I couldn't pick out his voice honestly when I was listening to it. But yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. Well, it kind of it was kind of
1: remind me. Um, if you are a patron and you heard our February patron episode, uh, one of the trivia questions has to do with who was the background vocalist on uh, Car- on yep. Carly Simon's mm-hmm. uh,
2: "You're So vain. You're so
1: vain, and it turned out it was Mick Jagger. I couldn't pick his voice out of that. Either. Yeah. Yeah. So um it's kind of I don't know it's kind of weird. I I think maybe people just kind of show up and they're like, "Hey, do you want yeah, to just sing on a song?" Yeah. why not? Uh do you have anything else you wanted to add on the album before we jump in?
2: No, that was it. The the cow pierced stutter nipple thing was the only thing I had. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, I'm excited to talk about this one and we have a little bit of an uh, unusual intro and I'm I'm not really sure what the purpose of it is. Not that it really it doesn't really detract too much it's just kind of an interesting thing it, it's slow it's a little bit of a throwback to their 80s collaboration with uh, uh with run dmc it quotes it a little bit and then there's kind of like a little rap with some jungle sounds going on underneath it and it does kind of lead into our second song but uh it's a little unusual which and it's just labeled intro wake up kid it's
0: half past the youth there ain't nothing really changing but the date you a grand slammer but you know babe roof you gotta learn how to relate I've been swinging from the panic gate. I got all the answers and lo and behold, you got the right key, baby, but the wrong key ho. Yo
1: So I mean it's it's kind of a neat fun little intro to the album. The only thing that gets me is some of the the rhythmic beat pattern Mm -hmm. is not consistent. Like the where the rhyming should happen, like it gets delayed by like a beat or two Mm -hmm. and like it just I don't know. That kind of freaks me out a little bit.
2: Overall, I don't like this intro. Um, okay. Tyler's steven Tyler's rapping is just not good. Um, <laughs> you know, we're a little bit spoiled. You know, we've we've heard some amazing rappers in our time, just in general. Yeah. steven Tyler, it's almost like you know what was that Debbie Harry rap rapture or something or kind whatever rapture. Where, yeah, where she kind of like almost raps and it's crap too. Um, you know, back back just because you're. I don't know. They just they just sucked at it. This, this was not good. Um, I was just, I was listening to it and I was just like, why? Why is this needed? I don't need this. I don't want this. It's worthless. It adds nothing. And my big problem with it is, yeah, you said it kind of leads into Eat the Rich, but not really. It kind yeah, of like, it right. kind of even like has a stop and then they start something new for Eat the Rich to get going. So it's like... It doesn't even flow well into that. It's just like, the yeah. fuck are you doing here? Ugh.
1: I would have preferred if they had used the jungle music from the beginning of Eat the Rich. Mm-hmm. And him just, if he's going to do his little rap thing, do it over that. Yes. And that, and so then you can just kind of cut that, have a little intro, and then it just leads us into Eat the Rich. Yeah. That would have been better because that, yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of which, let's just go ahead and jump into the next one called Eat the Rich. When I woke up this morning on the wrong side of the bed. And how I got to thinking about all those things you said
0: About ordinary people and how they make you sick And if calling things kicks back on you Then I hope this does the trick Cause sick of me, out complaining
1: Adam, not only is this my favorite song on the album, whoa already. This is my favorite Aerosmith song of oh, all time. What? Eat the yes. rich. Yes, I love this fucking song. It's a good song. This wow, is I, my favorite driving song. I just I love the energy of this song. It's my favorite Aerosmith song
2: it's of a, all time. It's a good, very good driving song the way you put it. Yeah, I mean it. It kicks it into gear pretty quickly. This is probably like my third or fourth favorite on the album. Um, that's all right. You're allowed to yeah, be Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not wrong. I'm right, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> but like, you know, that's a good one. Interesting. I wasn't expecting you to start off so strong on "Love and Eat the Rich." Now, granted, this is a really good song. You know, it's got good guitar sounds to it. I mean, it kind of it sounds classic Aerosmith to me. Um, yeah, moves well. Great rock vibe to it. It's a and it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun song.
1: It is. It's a lot of fun song, and and made, you know. I think I've started to notice a trend of like my favorite songs in a lot of bands are, are the fun mm-hmm. ones. Which is fine. Yeah. Makes it sound like I'm not a deep person, but <laughs> I, no, just, no. I just you know, I get enough depression with other shit. And i I yeah. need fun stuff. Yeah, there you go. Um, but um uh, yeah. I such a memorable lit riff, mm-hmm. guitar riff. Like every, you know, it's something you can you know, you can pick it out really easily. Um it's kind of a it's fun, kooky little song. It's just it's so high energy. Yeah, it that is. I just I just love it. I, n- I never shy away from listening to it.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, it. Uh, I like how it kind of it starts off fast and it just keeps going, you know? Um, yeah, I, I enjoy the lyrics. I, I always kind of enjoyed uh, eat the rich, take one bite now, come back from all. Like, just like the, <laughs> the way he sings and the way all that kind of stuff. It is a fun, fun song. I can totally see why it's your favorite. Um, it reached number five on the U.S. Mainstream pop chart, or Mainstream rock chart. Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch the music video for this one. They included that shitty intro in the official music video, and I'm just like, ugh, oh. ugh, not good. Um, but uh, the music video is kind of weird, yeah. and it's kind of it's almost like they were copying like how to make a grunge music video it was just different um there was kind of like a show a show sorry there's a slow shutter speed look to it um and it was just kind of them singing in a studio with some random images going it it really it looked like it was a ripoff of like a Pearl Jam video like literally um (laughs) I I don't think this intro Anita Rich is perfect as an opener for the album, I think it probably would have been better I like, cut the intro completely um, and then put Etherich maybe as like the second or third song. And my least favorite thing. Now, Grant, I love this song. This song is a really good song. It's definitely not my favorite, but I'm glad it is for you because it is a fun one. I hate the belch at the end of this fucking song. I fucking hate it. <laughs> it's the worst. Just don't do that. Uh, why do you hate fun, Adam? I don't hate fun. I just hate belching noises in my ear. <laughs> But it's just it's it doesn't it's not needed. It's are not... you
1: one of those people who like hates the sound of people chewing? Oh God, yes. Okay. God, yes. And I, I might
2: have talked about it before, but like I think you have my I can't have dinner with my wife unless I mean I can, <laughs> but I don't like when we're at home and there's no other sounds. If we're at a restaurant, you get there's a lot of other clanging and other stuff going on, so it blocks out noises. No big deal. But if we're at, like at a house or at somebody else's house and they don't put on like music. Man, mm-hmm. internally, I'm going nuts. <laughs> like, And so when we're eating dinner at home, I have to have a TV on or I have to have music on. <laughs> Otherwise, if I'm hearing people chewing, it's, it's the worst. So what do you do when you have to go out to dinner? It, I mean, no, when, when you're out at a restaurant, it's different. There's a lot more sounds. You hear there's people talking. It blocks that noise. It, it works. There's a lot of ambient sounds. It's when you are in a super quiet place. Like if the restaurant is dead quiet and no one else is saying anything um, or, yeah, or you're just at a, out to dinner with somebody's friends. And I had this recently and I'm not going to say who the friends are because I don't know if they listen, but I know friends of them listen. And (laughs) anyway, I was at dinner at their place and I was just, they didn't have any other sounds going on and I could just hear chewing. And I wanted to like, Oh my God, I never wanted to Kurt Cobain myself more than that day. (laughs) It was so bad. So bad. I hate the chewing sound.
1: Uh I don't mind it. Okay. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah. I got worse things to worry about eh, than the well. sound of other people chewing and the belt at the end, yeah. which I th- I thought was a, a, a nice cap to the <laughs> song. So <laughs> no, I can see why it's not your favorite yeah. just
2: because of the belt. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, I don't know. The song is so fun on its own. I don't I think the belch honestly takes away from it. All right.
1: So let's move on to the title track for the album called Get a Grip.
0: I it I can't explain how I feel fancy. You can't live long.
1: Has kind of a, I'd say like a classic Aerosmith sound, mm-hmm. you know, the rock and roll, little blues in there. It's not anything spectacular, mm-hmm. you know. It's a it's a it's a good filler song. Um, I can sit through it without, you know, having the desire to to fast forward. Yeah. But nothing in the song like grasps me and you know makes me want to sing along with it. So uh, to me, it's just kind of a middle-of-the-road song.
2: Yeah, I think it, it hinders from coming after Eat the Rich because Eat the Rich is so fun and, and moves fast, and this one is um, kind of there, as you put it. Yeah. It's okay. I don't really remember the song. Um, I totally see why it's not a single compared to the others because it is just right. kind of filler. There's much better songs on the album. Nothing is really kind of you know gripping me with this one. Um, I do think, honestly, this one would have been better – get rid of the intro and it had put this in front of eat the rich and i think it probably would have been better flow wise okay i think the song um just it, it's not not that it has like a great opening or anything like that but it does i think would have been better to be kind of like okay here's an okay song and then here's eat the rich you know as opposed to kind of what we're getting right now um, with the album mm-hmm. and you know, as i said get rid of that fucking intro but uh, but yeah the song's fine the song is just just fine
1: yeah all right That's about all we can really say about it. All right, let's move on to the next song called Fever. I got a rib in my pants
0: and a hole in my brain.
1: So uh, again, it's a, it's got a, a you know classic Aerosmith sound, very kind of blues rock. Still, I mean that's mm-hmm. kind of what they're that's kind of their thing. Is, yeah, is, uh, yeah a little kind of rock bit, and roll with little blues and little extra blues on this one though. Yeah, yeah, definitely a little bit of extra blues. Um, and it's fun, but I, I get the same thing as Get a Grip. It's a fun yeah. filler song, kind of. You know, I I can listen to it all the way through. You know, like most blues songs, you hear enough blues songs, you can listen to any blues song mm-hmm. without any problem. You know, unless it's just like the singing is
2: just horrible or something like that. Yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Um, this one charted at number five on the mainstream rock chart, which kind of surprised me. That was the same as, as high as Ether Rich, but I don't really remember this one. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, yeah, it has some good, quick moving to it. The, I like the harmonica that they add to it. Um, but I was, I'm with you. This song is just fine. It doesn't really, um, get me going. Um, I will say it's kind of so what I looked at the song seems to be about, you know, just having a good time and yeah. how some of the band members, especially Steven Tyler, kind of they abandoned drugs, but in favor of like sex and some other <laughs> un, other enjoyable fun things. And so they have lyrics like um the buzz that you be getting from the crack don't last. I ra- I'd i rather be ODing on the crack of her ass. <laughs> so, hey, oh, um, I had fun. And I don't think they used that lyrics, but Garth Brooks did a cover of this song in 1995. Uh, really? Yeah, it was retitled as The Fever. And I listened to it, and it was honestly, it was okay. It wasn't bad, but it was also, again, very similar to this one, just nothing special.
1: All right. And so let's move on to the next one, which I imagine was, which I think was actually the first one I remember from this album. I remember seeing this yep. uh, video on MTV. Yeah. And this is sort of being the first thing I remember of this album, and that is the song Living on the Edge. There's something wrong
0: with the world today. The light bulb's getting dim. There's meltdown in the sky. You can judge a wise man by the color of his skin. The misty, you're a band.
1: forgot. This is a song that kind of like fell out for me for a while mm-hmm. and then came back in a big, big way. I remember kind of I think maybe getting sick of this song like in the late 90s yeah. and then I'm not listening to it for a while. And then maybe about 10 years ago, kind of rediscovering it. And it's it's still one of my favorite songs of theirs. Um, I remember seeing the video for the first time, and the very first thing you see is like a mostly naked Steven Tyler yeah. cu- cupping his junk.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. So he's got like half, he's got makeup, like black, dark makeup on one side. It's kind of like a, like a made made to look like a zipper going right. down his body. He's cupping his junk, and then like a weird green little thing pops out from like the dark side of him <laughs> and, and screams, <laughs> Living on the edge! Like it yeah. is, is weird. Uh, the video is is kind of strange. But you get, like, different kind of random things, um, just kind of like, I guess, of kind of wildlife or wild uh, random stuff. And um, you see, like, a cross-dressing teacher. Uh, you mm-hmm. see, it also starts to follow the life of uh, a student, Edward Furlong. So I saw him again. I was like, oh, hey, that's yeah. uh, John Connor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, is that John Connor? Is that the right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um and he's kind of like a troubled teen. You know, he's vandalizing, stealing, and crashing a car and shit like that. Um, but, you know, it's it's an enjoyable music video. I love that guitar opening. I think that is, yeah the, that, that riff at the beginning, it's so good. Uh, the song itself, it moves well. Um, I like the theme of the song, you know, just kind of like talking about living on the edge and stuff like that. Yeah. Hell, I love the Weird Al parody, living in the fridge. You know, it's <laughs> something, it's, it's, it's great shit. So it's a really yeah, good song. I-
1: it is and you know it's it's what's nice is it starts out unlike any of the other mm-hmm. songs on this album it has a little bit calmer start to it. You know, I mean it gets in a little bit heavier but the pace is, is kind of like a like a mid to slow walking mm-hmm. pace a little bit doesn't rush you through and it's a long song it's just over 6 minutes
2: long but yeah. to me it actually doesn't bother me no, all that much. It does it moves well enough and it is enjoyable enough that the 6 minutes doesn't I agree doesn't bother does not bother me. Yeah. So, it did win a, a Grammy for best rock performance by a duo or group um, oh. in uh for 4 for 1993. So, yeah, it was a pretty popular song. Uh yeah, I do
1: remember it kind of making a, a, a big deal out of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean I, re- I just really like I just enjoy the song.
2: No, fully agree. One of all the right. one of the better ones on the album.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, and then let's move on to the next one. It is entitled Flesh. The day roll. This one's okay, but I'll be honest, um, uh, other than the intro, this is the kind of the first one where I kind of found myself maybe getting halfway through the song and being like, all right, I've had enough of this, <laughs> Yeah. just kind of fast forward to the next one.
2: Yeah, and it's another long one, too. It's five minutes, 57 seconds. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it's another long, so I agree. It's just kind of there. The song's okay. I'm not hating it, but yeah. I would never, ever seek this song out on its own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want, there's some good guitar solos in there, I would say. Yeah, but um, and the song, you know, I mean, it's it's all about flesh. It's really literally, it's a just a definitively, this song is about <laughs> wanting sex and stuff like that. You know, deeds of the flesh. Um, yeah. you know, everybody's got to have it's, it's an ode to fucking. That's that's what this <laughs> song is. It's an ode to fucking, and it's fine, you know. But it's nothing special. Yeah, that's really all I have
1: to. I yep. don't we'll have anything else to add to that one. So. Okay. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I mean, sometimes you just get those songs. Yeah, yeah, it It's not bad enough to talk about how bad it is. It's not good enough to talk about how good it is. It's just kind of, eh, it's there. Yeah. You mention it, and then it's like, all right, let's move on to the next one. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which is called Walk On Down. You
0: wonder why you got holes in your shoes. You wonder why they got more money wonder why you got nothing to lose. It makes no sense, don't try to figure it out. You gotta walk on down. Walk on
1: Aside from the first track and the last track on this album, this is the shortest one. Yeah. Uh, Also, this is actually the only one to not feature Steven Tyler. Correct. Uh, This song was written and sung by Joe Perry. Mm -hmm. It's
2: okay. (laughs) I I don't even think it's okay. I think this song is straight up bad because of Joe Perry's singing. Yeah. Um,
1: it really should have been cut from this album. It
2: should have been cut. Or just like, let's st- Tyler Perry. Not Tyler Perry. <laughs> let, <laughs> let Steven. So it's confusing, God damn it. You get Joe Perry, Steven Tyler, Tyler Perry. Uh, you get... You know that great Medea album? Yeah. Grip. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Eat the rich. <laughs> uh, no. Walk on down. It need It needs... Steven Tyler's vocals because Joe Perry is not a front man and you can tell from his singing. Yeah. The set literally like the guitar and the actual sound like the, the instrumental portions of this song are actually quite good. I like that. The guitar is actually wailing on this one. It's pretty cool. But like the way Joe Perry sings and just and the lyrics too, the lyrics, aren't anything good that detracts it so much for me. It is such a, just piss poor song that it should have been cut or they should have done it differently um, that I, I I, really it's my least favorite song other than the the intro and the outro yeah. uh, this is hands down my least favorite on the album
1: yeah I would 100% agree with that yeah okay well let's uh, <laughs> let's just move on let's okay. <laughs> walk on down to the next one <laughs> which is called Shut Up and Dance
0: has got i down.
1: Actually a song that kind of grew on me. Yeah. Uh first I remember first time going through it, I'm like, uh, kind of a vague recollection of it because I, I believe it was in it was in Wayne's World 2. It was. It was I
2: think the first song played at Wayne Stock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they come out of like that that big old like the the Garth kind of limo yeah. and they come out and they start playing.
1: Yeah. Kind of fun. And I I just kinda I didn't think too much of it, but actually it's kind of it's grown on me a little bit. The more I listen to it, the more I kind of can move around with it, mm-hmm. move my head to it. Um it's got some funny lyrics in it. Yeah. You yeah it know. does. A lot of a lot of a lot of sex references a in lot, this album.
2: Yeah, they're really I mean, that's what they were. I guess they they kind of yeah, they they had enough drugs and now they're they haven't <laughs> they had have enough women moved um, from one vice to the other. Yes. Uh, so this one hit uh, 24 on the UK pop chart. It didn't chart at the US at all apparently. Yeah. Um but I'm kind of with you. Like the song was, was good. You know, it's not it's not great, but it it grew on me. Um I think it's pretty fun. Uh, I don't list, there's some kind of talky portions at some point that I put that I didn't really like, but, um, yeah. in this is an this is an upper half quality song. Like this isn't, if I had to pick like my, you know, top half or s- second half, this is on like that right in that middle, but upper half, it made that portion for me. It's not great, but yeah, it's a, it's a, this is like on the good side of filler. Yeah. But even to the point where I like, yeah, you know what? I could put this on like a, you know, a, on an Aerosmith mix and be very happy that it's on there.
1: Yeah, it'd be a, a, a good uh a kind of good in-between song. Yeah. To yep. get you from one to the next. Definitely. All right, and so let's move on to the next song, which is the first of three kind of power ballad songs on this yep. album that just kind of went nuts. Yeah, they did. As far as as far as their popularity, and this first one was called Crying. There was a time when I was so broke love wasn't much
0: of a friend of mine The tables have turned yeah. One because me and them where's that party That kind of love was the killing kind
1: If you listen to our uh top 10 90s videos album mm-hmm. you'll know that this one ranked pretty high for me as far as the video yep. goes. The video was everywhere it was playing, it was in constant rotation on MTV. Yeah. Um Star Alicia Silverstone and Stephen Dorff and yep. uh it
2: it won the uh music video award for that year for for 94.
1: Yeah. Um it's a great song. Mm-hmm. It's never been one of my favorite ones. I've just never I you know i ne- I guess I've just never really been a power ballad guy.
2: Gotcha. But it is a good song. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this is what I would say is my favorite song off the album. Okay, that's um, still fair. That's I wouldn't. Fair. I probably wouldn't say it's my favorite Aerosmith song. I think Dream On has got to be my favorite Aerosmith song. But Crying, this song. I, there is just something. The way he does his good. He does great. Like. I don't know. He half sings, half screams sometimes. And he does a great job with that. I love the way he does that. This one hit number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, The song went gold, just like the single itself for selling over 600,000 copies. But yeah, it's a power ballad. It's a good power ballad. One of their biggest songs of all time. I I think it's just, I mean, I don't know. I think it's phenomenal. It's got some good emotion, some good rock, and just overall a song that um, I really appreciate.
1: It's definitely a song that I've grown to appreciate more as an adult than I did as a teen when I first, mm-hmm. you know, listened to this. Because you know, when you're a teen, you want to hear all the rock and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, t- the slower songs, like, why bother? You know, yeah. It's like the, it's the Barney Stinson method of your mix should always be up. Never up yeah. and down. <laughs> That's how you are as a kid. But no, there needs to be some up and down. Mm-hmm. You need to have some ebb and flow. And, and this is this really is a great song.
2: And it probably did get a little overplayed back in the day. I, it did. It, it totally did. And but now we're far enough away that we can come back and appreciate it again. Yeah. And yeah. And, and as, as we talked about this a little bit in our in the, the episode or our top 90s music videos. And, um, you know, yeah, you get that Alicia Silverstone stuff. Her just kind of just run around being kind of. Crazy, you know, she's punching a couple guys and shit. <laughs> a couple, <laughs> couple dudes get beat up in this in this uh, music video. Yeah. Um. But my least favorite part, we've talked about my, my issues with continuity, just don't <laughs> go away. And we and we talked about this before. When she's on the bridge and she jumps off, there is no cable. There is yeah. no cable. You see nothing, and then a magic cable comes out of fucking nowhere and saves her life, as if she was <laughs> gonna bungee the entire time. But it's not even a bungee car It's just like a fucking rope, and it would have like snapped her back. Yeah. <laughs> the way she stopped, but Yeah. And you know, and her her with the two uh the two fingers flicking off Steven right. Dorf at, at the end is kinda of funny too, but Alright.
1: Well let's go let's go ahead and move on down. Uh let's move on to the next song called Gotta Love It. Anyway you can feel it! You shouldn't
0: try to feel it, baby!
2: The song at all, Um, really. With this album, only like the singles, like the bigger stuff, is what I remember. Um, This one kind of—it felt like it even had a somewhat slight different sound to it than some of the other stuff. Maybe just Mm -hmm. a little less rockin', but we're kind of getting around some power ballads, so it kind of makes sense. Personally, I'm really liking this song. I'm liking it better than a lot of those other non-remembered ones that Mm -hmm. we had before. I definitely like it better than than uh, than. Walk on down, but I like it better than Flesh. I like it better than Fever uh, or Get a Grip. And so, I mean, this one I thought was a pretty solid song for me, and so I, I enjoyed. Gotta love it. Gotta love it.
1: This one, similar to Shut Up and Dance, is one where I probably I didn't really give it a lot of thought the first time through, and then kind of mm-hmm. grew on me more and more. I think personally, I think I prefer Shut Up and Dance mm-hmm. to this one. Yeah, I would but agree. I, I still agree with you that it's it uh, it's topping some of the other non-single ones that we heard earlier in the album
2: definitely yeah it's not one that i have many notes on other than you know it's definitely filler but it's like on on the good side of filler
1: yeah i do like i do like uh, some of the harmonies that they use in the uh, in the vocals Mm -hmm. in this Aerosmith is another one of those bands that i think uses harmonies to good effect
2: yeah very well
1: even though steven tyler has a very unique voice and and jumps out you know really well
2: so yeah he does his voice yeah exactly you know when he's even when he's harmonizing with other people it's just like oh there's steven tyler and then some other people
1: there yeah Actually, even when he's harmonizing with himself, you can still kind of yeah. pick him out. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, that happens a lot with, uh, you know, when they put harmonies in a, mm-hmm. a, with a band where they, you know, the, for the album, they'll have the lead singer do a lot of the harmonies and then live, they'll either have background vocalists or yeah. the band will will do the Well, the it harmonies. gets
2: a little a fuller sound, yeah. you know, to the singing. So it makes sense.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move on to their next uh, kind of power ballad song mm-hmm. that also took off and had a great music video, and that was crazy.
0: Say you're leaving on a 7.30 train and that you're heading out to Hollywood. Girl, you've been giving me the line so many times it kind of gets like feeling bad.
1: Uh, was a music video that drove 14-year-old John (laughs) crazy
2: well hell it's still it's 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 making 34 year old Adam a little crazy too (laughs) I mean those those both Liv Tyler and Alicia Silverstone are looking pretty pretty cute in that video
1: yeah um you know it's I mean it's a good it's a good song um I think I think uh Crying is a better song?
2: Yes. I mean, Cry- this is a good one. Crying's yeah. better, um, but this is a good one. And, and I, I like the music video pretty good. Like uh, I did find it kind of weird. You know, they play up like the sexual aspect. The whole music video is kind of like a Thelma and Louise kind of thing with Alicia yeah. Silverstone and Liv Tyler. This is actually the third Alicia Silverstone video, um, even though we'll, we'll get the second one in a couple songs here. But um, it was apparently ranked as number 23 on VH1's top 100 music videos of all time. That that seems a bit high to me. Yeah. Um, it should not be in the top 25. Definitely not. But it's cute. I mean, the girls are running around. They're just looking good. They're just kind of like being wild teens. I do find it kind of funny how they're, you know, Steven Tyler's putting his daughter up for like, you know, <laughs> to be basically just, hey, look how hot my daughter is. <laughs> it's kind of strange. But they both look real good in that video. I mean, it's, it's I don't know, it's, if that doesn't sound too creepy for Old man Adam to be talking about they they do look very attractive.
1: <laughs> That's true, but she she was already modeling at that point. True, true. So true, true. it's it's not like she, it's not like the world was introduced to her per yeah. se through this. She was already doing uh, she was also already modeling and doing mm-hmm. commercials and and yeah. stuff like that before they did this. And I'm not even entirely sure she he had really anything to do with her being cast. I, I think uh, I think they probably said, hey, why don't we use her? And if he yeah. was okay, it. No, with I
2: mean she. I mean she's. Popular enough, she doesn't need Steven Tyler to get her anywhere. She's a good actress, right. yeah. You know, exactly. she's, she's very popular, you know. No, no need for that, but it is just kind of funny to me being like, Oh, I mean, John, would you want to have your daughter out in skimpy shit just running around in like just her her bra in a music video if you were playing, you know, if you were the lead singer? No, not okay. I didn't think so,
1: <laughs> but I, I've never lived that rock and roll lifestyle, yeah. I'm sure he looked at it as there was a lot of worse things she could be doing. <laughs>
2: maybe you
1: know it's not like she was doing porn
2: yeah no she's not at least it's not porn (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but anyway it's it's a it's it's, i don't know what i was gonna say this is probably gonna just sound creepy so let's just move on
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right let's go to the next one actually there is one one go ahead
2: I, i didn't mention um uh it was the final single from the album um, it hit number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100 uh, and it actually won a Grammy for again for best rock performance in 1994. so they won back to back that same Grammy both from this album.
1: All right uh, well let's move on to the next one which is the one that featured uh, Lenny Kravitz uh, on the song also actually was co-written by Lenny Kravitz and with uh, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry called lineup
0: strong wanna fight.
1: Actually, another one that uh, kind of grew on me the more I listened to it. Hmm. Kind of a fun song. Uh, kind of a, a fun little kind of chorus and stuff going into it. Uh, you know, nothing, uh, nothing that really makes it stand out from the rest of the pack. But one that I can listen to without uh, without, having the, uh, without having the overwhelming desire to skip to the next song.
2: Yeah, I actually put basically the same thing. I mean, it moves well. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's a stronger filler song, in my opinion. Yeah. There's just a there's a fun quality to it.
1: It's funny how the uh, the filler songs per se in the back half of this album are becoming more enjoyable than the yeah. filler songs that were in the
2: front half of the album. Yep, agreed. So I could you I couldn't pick out Lenny Kravitz on this no, one. I couldn't, like, I couldn't or his, his guitar style or anything like that. I, I, you know, it just wasn't like oh hey it's there's Lenny Kravitz on here. So if if they didn't tell me that, I would have had no idea.
1: Yeah, no, I wouldn't have either. Okay, I wouldn't have either. Uh, go to the next one which is kind of their third you know power ballad out of the the trio that came out of this out of this album called amazing when
0: i lost my
1: Uh, this is the one that featured Don Henley uh, as in background vocals who is, I think he's just kind of like he's just kind of uh, singing behind Steven mm-hmm. Tyler in some of the parts. So it's really hard to kind of pick him out from this. Um it's a it's a good song. It's my least favorite of the three power ballads. I I've here. had
2: the exact same thing and it's pretty much the order that they come in the album is the order <laughs> I like them, Crying <laughs> then Crazy and then Amazing. Yeah. I mean they're all good all good songs and any one of them I would listen and be happy. Um, but they are, they're just like, their quality kind of does go into that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's long, man. All these songs are really long.
2: Yeah. Nearly six minutes on this one. Yeah.
1: But, uh, I believe did, uh, Oh God. Was Alicia was, uh, Silverstone on the video for this one as well?
2: Yeah, this is the second video that... The second of those singles that came out. So this okay. one was the next one that came out after crying. Um, the song hit 24 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, but to, to go back to the music video, this was easily the worst of the music videos of those three with (laughs) elisa silverstone uh it also starred jason london who was in the movie dazed and confused that came out around around this time oh yeah i remember him but it's it's a whole like virtual virtual reality aspect to this where like these two kids like are you know kind of escaping the world of virtual reality together but like they're both kind of in the world of virtual reality and ones it's kind of like has some layers to that Uh, but it's not good um the music the, – uh, I think they honestly should have just stuck to the style of the other two and yeah. just probably had Alicia Silverstone running around doing crazy adventure shit with Jason London on the motorcycle and stuff like that as opposed to doing this whole virtual uh, reality kind of motion graphic thing that they had with some of the stuff. Right. The graphics look really bad nowadays watching yeah. it. Like, they do not hold up. And so I think that is something for people to think about. You know, when you're putting graphics into stuff, you have to – somewhat pay attention to like hey how's this gonna age and yeah. it did not age well um yeah.
1: it would have been a nice through line if they could have made yeah. i mean that's that's a planning ahead but if they could have made like a, a story that lasted over the three songs yeah for alicia silverstone would have been a nice tie-in
2: yeah i agree um that would have that exactly that had i would have loved to see that that would have been made much more sense and they actually had some uh, the Jason London's—I don't know if it's his character, or if it's just a cameo from Jason London. He does appear at the end of the crazy song, like as they're they're kind of driving by, and there's this hitchhiker, and it's it's him apparently. But I don't oh, think okay. it's the same character. Maybe it's the same character. I don't know. Um, from the other from from the amazing, but yeah, um, the song is good. The song is good. Music video, not not good. so good. Not okay. so good. Uh,
1: all right, and then that's pretty much the last song per se on the album, and then we get a little sort of instrumental outro called Boogeyman. Okay, um, yeah. I mean, I again, I could have done without the intro, without the mm-hmm. little outro. Um, unfortunately, without Joe Perry's song, probably would have made the album a little <laughs> bit tighter.
2: Removing all three of those would have made this a better album. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, th- my my issue with it, this song, Boogeyman. It's got like some kind of creepy esque tones to it. Obviously, it's called Boogeyman. The style is nothing like we've heard at all during the entire album. Right. So what's the fucking point of putting it on this (laughs) album? It ends in, it's not like in a good contrast. Sometimes it's fun to have different styles back to back. This makes no fucking sense. Cut this (laughs) shit out of your goddamn album. Get out. (laughs) That's that's I'm passionate about that, John.
1: Yeah, it would have been, it would have been a nicer tag to end on amazing.
2: Yeah, it definitely would have.
1: It's a, it's a, it's a longer song, which is fine. Putting it at the end would have been fine. Um, you know, it's it's a good way to go out. We didn't need a couple minutes of no. just sort of random no. instrumental madness. We don't need
2: it. We don't want it. No, thank you. Yeah, I mean, should, for- well, people need to be paying me to like just do a just do like a listen through on their album, maybe rearrange it uh, or make some comments. I'm not going to change the songs, but I might like get the flow better, or I might be like I should have veto power on. You wanted <laughs> Boogeyman on this? Get the fuck out of here, R.L. Smith. <laughs> and then I would have made a millions more. Because you know people would have just kind of could have put it on repeat.
1: Well, I mean, this was their biggest selling album of all time. I yeah. don't know how you could have made it any. I could any, have any doubled better. it,
2: John. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So you're telling me when I when I finally put out a, uh, an album of my own, I need you to have you listen to it. Before just I yes, put it out. just
2: have me listening to not it. Not that
1: anyone puts albums out. Yeah, exactly.
2: Anymore. It's put out of your singles. It's all a world of buy my single for ninety nine cents on iTunes or well, yeah. not even iTunes. That's not even a thing anymore. Uh, whatever. Dollar ninety nine, actually. Yeah, it's not even actually, just 99. put it on Spotify. That's all people listen, seem to listen to anymore. No. Don't pay for anything.
1: Yeah, I uh, I refuse. I, yeah, I mean, um, I still buy songs on iTunes. I do. So. Oh
2: Yeah, I, and I I'm, I still like to get the CDs. I, I enjoy yeah. downloading the entire because then you know we get to experience some stuff that we may not find.
1: Yeah, exactly. Plus, I don't like the idea of me being dependent
2: on a internet connection to listen uh, yes! to my music. I'm the exact same way as you. I and, can't stand that. Yeah.
1: Um, is which is weird because I'm not necessarily that same way with movies. Although I do, I still do like movies. I really like, even though I know they're gonna be out on a streaming service at some point, I will still purchase the download yeah. because I still like being able to have it on a physical medium. Yeah, even if it's you know, on my iPad or something like that. Without you know, especially if you know, if I want to, if I'm gonna be on an airplane for a long time or something like that. So I I just would I'd rather have the ability to download it. Plus I actually like having physical DVDs kind of as a Mm -hmm. now that now they're kind of as a backup, but yeah, like there's a lot of old shows that I've had to watch uh, on our DVD because they're, they're not anywhere
2: digitally. Exactly. You can't find them digitally. Um, or, you know, uh, internet goes out or you're, or you're moving or something and you, you, you don't have connections for a couple of weeks or whatever before they set it up. And I use that stuff all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I still have, I'm going to show it to you. I still have an old-ass iPod that I <laughs> that I have, like, that I can connect, and I have my entire library connected to it. Now, yep. I don't really go and use it because I actually have my phone connected to my iTunes, right. so I can, I can actually, like, listen to any song on there streaming-wise, or I can download it onto my phone, which is when I'm going onto, like, a, a big road trip or yeah. a plane trip, I download them onto my phone, but I can kind of switch between, like, okay, I can just have some downloaded or I stream some. And so yeah. if I'm on a plane or something, I just don't do the ones that I have streamed. Um, but I have a backup of every single one of my songs on an old fucking iPod that yeah. I can uh, pull and take with me for anything. It's like four, had, four big uh, road trips too.
1: <clears throat> I had an old iPod, like a really big, uh, big storage yep. one. And unfortunately, the, the I guess the battery or something on yeah, it like, would stop charging. And so it finally just died and I had to get rid yeah. of it,
2: unfortunately. But yep. I do kind of miss that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those aren't. I mean, I wish I, I want phones to have you know gigs I, are so easy nowadays. Like, like, I want to have my phone should have a terabyte of space, and I should yeah. be able to put every one of my fucking songs on there without any issues. That's the problem I have is,
1: is I have so much music, it doesn't all fit on my phone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, me too. I mean, I can understand like having you want to have a, a catch all you know place to put it, but yeah, you're right. They, sh- I, it really should be able to have like multiple terabytes of space mm-hmm. on this this. Yeah. this device without yeah. a problem
2: yeah without having to stream it because it still can still be instant access anywhere at any time because yeah. we don't always have the internet and we don't always have uh data either yeah sometimes exactly. mobile signals fucking drop
1: uh, no. fuck i know fuck you mean,
2: sprint it drops I, all the time I, <laughs> for me
1: yeah so all right before we kind of uh go off on this tangent at the end of this
2: <laughs> yeah um final thoughts on the album adam i really enjoyed revisiting this album um as, as you kind of it like the second half of like especially those filler ones kind of surprised me at how much i was enjoying it yeah. um the singles did stand out to me crying being my favorite um but there's you know there's some really good other songs on here too some fun ones fun filler there's a couple forgettable ones like we talked about that joe perry singing one um just needs to go um you know and i i've already said it but i can't really express enough how much I feel the worthlessness of the intro and Boogeyman (laughs) are. So um, get rid of those, put Get a Grip at the top, Eat the Rich afterwards, um, and you'd have a better album. But overall, I was really happy, uh, and and it just kind of did make me feel like, oh, you know what? I I enjoy me some Aerosmith.
1: Yeah, I largely agree. Um, I was was kind of, I mean, I was excited to go back to this one specifically because Eat the Rich was my favorite song, and because of how many good singles were on this Mm -hmm. album. So it was nice to kind of go and revisit, and you know Aerosmith's a, a good classic band, where the, you know most of what they play is is really good. I'd be interested. We've done top ten Michael Jackson songs. I'd be interested, maybe at some point, to go back and do top ten Aerosmith songs, yeah. since their career does kind of span oh, yeah. a long amount of time. Um, although I imagine it's going to largely be a lot of similar hits.
2: Yeah, yeah, and other I, ones. Not I, as many. I can't deep say cuts. I know their their back catalog as much as I knew like on MJ's catalog. Right. So it would be. I'd probably have to really do some more research, but still, I bet the singles would come out more than anything else. Right, exactly. All right, that
1: was our review of the Aerosmith album, Get a Grip. Please join us next time for a doggone good time as we review the 1991 film White Fang, talk about the 90s television show Due South, and cast our versions of some human-dog duos. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you to find us on social media search for at blast pass cast so until next time i'm john and i'm adam and thanks for joining us see you next time
0: What's up, guys? I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we are the ongoing comic book discussion podcast, the place where one guy and one gal dive into the world of comic books one adventure at a time.
2: That's right. You can find us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcatchers.
0: So come check out OCD Podcasts, where comic books are cool.
2: cool.